0: Welcome to this episode of Season 5 of The Common Bridge, where policy and current events are discussed in a fiercely nonpartisan manner. The host, Richard Helpe, is a philanthropist, entrepreneur, and political analyst who has reached over 4 million listeners, viewers, and readers around the world. With our surging growth in audience and subscriptions, The Common Bridge continues to expand its reach. The show is available on the Substack website and the Substack app. Simply search for The Common Bridge. You can also find us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Common Bridge draws guests and audiences from across the political spectrum, and we invite you to become a free or paid subscriber on your favorite medium.
1: Hello, welcome to The Common Bridge. If you're listening to this as a podcast, you're connected to a network someplace that network is connected to the internet. If you're looking at the video at Substack or on YouTube, guess what? Your digital device is also connected to a network connected to the internet, and let's say you're reading on Substack, guess what? Same thing. So we're here today with two experts in cybersecurity because they're going to explain what cybersecurity is, how you can be more secure, and I hope you'll get a lot of value out of this. And we welcome today the co-founders of Sensai, 48th Governor of the State of Michigan, Rick Snyder, and co-founder, Chief Client Success Officer, Dave Band. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. It's good to see you both. Rick? Of course, you're well known for doing a great job as the governor of the state of Michigan. Uh, we appreciate the relentless positive action that you brought, but you had a pretty good career before serving as the governor. And can you maybe tell our audience a little bit about that and then a little bit about what you did post-governorship? Sure, Rich. And it's great
2: to be with you. Thanks good to see for the you. opportunity to uh, catch up with you again. Uh, this is actually my fifth career. I I can't hold down (laughs) a job. So if you look at it, uh, basically, if you go back in the 80s, I was uh, with Coopers & Library, now PricewaterhouseCoopers. I was a tax professional, I became a tax partner, and then a mergers and acquisition partner, helping people buy companies. Uh, That led to going to Gateway Computers in the 90s. Uh, There, I was the number two guy working for Ted Waite, the founder, Mm -hmm. and that was an incredible experience. We went from 600 people, 600 million revenue, to 6 billion and 13, people in six years. Uh, and I was the chief operating officer and president. Uh, then I came back to Michigan. Ted was moving the company to California. We wanted to come home. I did $200 million venture funds. So I was doing the craziest work, doing dead cold startups, finding professors in technology. And then Michigan was absolutely a disaster in 2008, nine and going into 10. Uh, so I ran for governor and I won. <laughs> Uh, so I had the wonderful opportunity and the honor to serve for eight years as governor of Michigan. Uh, there are term limits, so I got thrown out on the street after eight years. And then what do you do with an old governor? Well, I was very fortunate. I met David, who had actually worked with me uh, at the state and a couple other colleagues, and we formed Sensei. Uh, because if you look at we were the best in the nation with state government at the state of Michigan. Uh, cybersecurity is a huge pervasive issue. And I view it as a way to continue to help people to give back uh, just in a different context because small organizations are desperately in need of help, even when they don't know they need help yet. Uh, they need help.
1: So we're here to help with Sensei. Yeah. And Dave, you met the governor working for the state. You were the chief information officer. You're a Detroiter. Maybe share with our audience a little bit. What's your career arc been like?
3: Yeah. So I, uh, Proud graduate of Eastern Michigan University. I like to joke; it's the the good school in Washtenaw County.
1: <laughs> that it is. There you
3: go. <laughs> All right. But uh, no, I uh, so I started out as small time city manager out in the west side of the state for a couple of years right out of grad school. Then I came and I worked at Washtenaw County. I was there for nine years and was the deputy county administrator and CIO there. Uh, then went into the private sector for a little while. Then I met this guy right here sitting next to me. And he ran for governor, for governor. he ran for governor and won. And so I went and I worked with him. I had known him for years before that. But uh, uh, so then I went. was the CIO for the state of Michigan for almost for six and a half years. And for about four of those years, I was also the director of the department of technology management budget. And then I kind of put my public service days on hold and put them away for a little while. Went to become the CIO for Lazy Boy, great company in Monroe, Michigan. And then... Um, Got back together with him when we started Sensei because, again, as he talked about, you know, it's small and medium-sized organizations are getting hammered. And there's some just some really common sense things we can do to help them. And so it is, like he said, it's like giving back, but actually it's you can make a little money doing it too.
1: Well, profit lets you sustain the runway, lets you help more clients. And people that haven't been in business don't understand it's all about satisfying a customer and making sure you have a satisfied and motivated workforce. And those make a better country and a better state, better communities. And I can see the connection. You know, lazy boy, you're thinking about your kickback and your recliner, you're looking at your iPad, and all of a sudden a ransomware grabs it or a phishing comes in. So what is cybersecurity and what's the threat out there? What should people be thinking about when they think about the term cybersecurity? Yeah, the, the way to look at it in many respects is we live in a digital world today and we're surrounded by it.
2: Um, if you ask anyone, whether it's iPhones, iPads, uh, you know, Android phones, any kind of electronic device that's connected to the Internet, uh, you have to be concerned about cybersecurity. Uh, you're in a connected world. And I wish you'd say we didn't have to worry about it, But there are bad people out there that are going to take advantage of the fact that network, that connection is not perfect. There are holes. There are things that we don't do. There are ways that people can exploit vulnerabilities in the cyber world.
1: What are they after?
2: What, what are the cyber thieves after? Or cyber criminals? Yeah, there's a category of six or seven different categories, mm-hmm. but the one that's really prevalent today, the biggest one, is cyber criminals just wanting to make money. Uh, and that's where ransomware comes from. A uh, big enabler of that. That didn't happen 10, 20 years ago very much. It was other issues that mm-hmm. were the cyber hacktivist or activists. Y- yes. Um, now it's mainly cyber criminals because they see the opportunity to make money because of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, Because if you think about it, there's an anonymous way to get paid essentially. Uh, so there's their currency. And once that currency was created, uh, they learned, okay, now I can go shake down people, get money from them and not get caught.
1: (laughs) I was in a venture and one of my investing partners there, one of their companies got hit with ransomware. And for my audience doesn't know what ransomware is, your network is seized. And you've got to call this number, and we'll give you a key to unlock it. And there's a payment. And they had to pay in Bitcoin. And let me tell you how organized they were. The cyber criminals had a help desk yeah. to help <laughs> transfer the ransom in. and they, they were that sophisticated. And obviously, it was fairly lucrative. They're mostly offshore. Russia, Brazil, I believe, China. Yeah. Russia. Oh, yeah. So ransomware, to tell us more about that. So
3: the bad actors are trying to get your information. They're trying to get your data as an individual. But as they look at companies and those kind of things, they'll attack you with, with phishing email. When you click on it, it'll drop ransomware on your on your system. And ransomware actually has kind of evolved, right? Not only do they have help desks and you know they're like a little organization, um, the ransomware has evolved to where it's dual extortion. So what happened to your friend was that they locked his network and they said, if you don't pay me a certain amount of time, I'm going to delete all your files. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of organizations in the world now have evolved a little bit to where they're a little bit better at their backups. They're backing up their data in the cloud or in some kind of off-network location. The bad actors actually say, very good, great job. You know, you did really good traditional IT. But we've stolen your data now, and we're going to drop that on the dark web, and you're going to be liable for that. Mm -hmm. And so that that's that dual extortion that's really becoming really bad these days, and you're seeing that happen all the time. And it doesn't matter if you're a big company a medium-sized company or a small company. They're coming after you.
1: Because there's a market for that information. Somebody Absolutely. wants to buy it on the dark web. I think there'd be some obvious things like bank records and that type of thing. What else are they after? So think about it. They're going look, they're looking for your social
3: security number, your credit cards, your identity, your health records. Um, anything that they can use that they can sell on the dark web to, uh, to other bad actors so they can exploit you. They can go into those... Those holes and holes in your kind of per, your digital persona, and start attacking you that way. That's what they're going after, and um, they're very successful at it, and they're very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you were bringing up like China, and yeah, you're seeing that the, the ransomware groups are mostly in Eastern Europe or South America, uh, but those are nation states: China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea. They're really active as well.
2: And these are large organizations. So you, you both mentioned it to some degree, but literally they now have HR departments in addition to help desk. They they publish openings, position openings, oh, on, no. recruiting. Oh, oh. No, they have full-blown, they're just like a multinational corporation, some of the bigger organizations there. And it's gotten worse. One of the things that we've seen that really concern us and our whole team is now it's even more horrific. The worst case that I can think of was there was a school district that was held for ransomware and not only did they suffer through that they didn't respond particularly well they didn't get notices out to parents and students that mm-hmm. they'd been hit and the tradition was even the bad guys had certain standards of how they behave where typically they put on the dark web well since they didn't pay and stuff they went out the bad guys went out and posted the worst files possible on the open web So they put out the disciplinary files, the mental health records they had on students. So can you imagine that the school district hadn't let the parents and the kids know? And you go home from school and you see that now your kids' prescriptions are up there, what they may be on, did they attempt a suicide that now is Mm. publicly available that all their friends and family can see? That's horrific.
1: Malicious at a different level. I know protection is hard. So... We used a very good company out of San Antonio for many years called Rackspace to do managed exchange server. Just about a year ago, they got hit with an unresolvable ransomware attack. And I know they have all the sophisticated backups. They had every layer of protection you could get. They never could bring that service back online. Millions of users. So one of the big issues are you hear about these big organizations get hit and we could list a whole
2: bunch that have all been hit. We, the University of Michigan got shut down for three days mm-hmm. at the start of this semester. So these big organizations are getting hit, but what we did with Sensei, our, our focus are the people that don't have a place to get help. In terms of the traditional cyber industry there's a big cyber industry a lot of venture capital a lot of great companies a lot of really smart people they're building technology tools that are well suited to sell or to be used by places that have sophisticated people that know how to take multiple tools and put them together to protect themselves Mm -hmm. what happens to the small organization that doesn't have a full-time security person or even a full-time i.t staff So we built Sensei to say, let's help the unprotected. Let's try to find a way to go out and help them because there are a half million of these medium and large organizations. There are six million organizations that are for-profit, not-for-profit, governmental, that we think we can really make a difference for. And so that's why we're excited to do this. This is a calling in addition to being a good business.
1: So as small as like the the local bakery or as, as you mentioned, school systems, yeah. which clearly need a level of sophistication, bring some of this to life. Are there some examples of places that had cyber vulnerability that they didn't think they had an answer for?
3: Yeah. So um, and I'm glad you brought up education because education is now the fifth most attacked industry in the world and it's only increasing. So education for sure is one of those areas that we're working in. But we work with all different kind of organizations. We work with companies in california who who make commercials we work with companies in in massachusetts who are trying to cure cancer um with private equity and venture capital and 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 other states um but anything from law firms accounting firms uh to nonprofits, to education we kind of go all the way across and one of the other ones is software development firms you know software and software shops Mm -hmm. um Everybody who you described earlier, everybody is kind of on the internet. And if you're a small or medium-sized organization, and you're a digital organization anyway, you are a target. We work with a lot of manufacturing companies and manufacturing companies maybe in somewhere in mid-Michigan or upper Michigan, to think, who's gonna, nobody wants to attack me. I'm just a medium-sized, small company in mid-Michigan. Nobody even knows I exist. Hmm. Well, you're on the internet, and if there's a, a door or a port open in your organization, those bad guys are looking to go through that.
1: Talk about those doors and those openings. Surely they don't have a human being sitting down trying to look sure. for them. How does the cyber criminals, how do they locate the target?
3: Yeah, so they're, they're just, they have a they have some great software. They have a bot that is just, just, I call them drive-bys, right? They're just driving by and they're pinging to see if anything's open. Once they see something's open, they get really interested and they go in and then they start to do a little intelligence gathering. And we're seeing this in every industry all over the world. Yeah, the other thing, Rich, and you know this, because we all get them. Every
2: person watching or listening to this is getting phishing email, the, the yes. pH kind, the kind that says, here, here's a chance to win your Yeti cooler. Here's uh-huh. the chance to say, there's something really urgent, and this offer is going to expire. Um, here's something you can do. Um, all those are traps trying to get you to click on some attachment or something.
1: There are some very clever ones that I've been personally bombarded with. It's like, oh, here's your payroll record or your payment went through and they've spoofed my family office URL. So it looks like it's coming from that. And obviously, a very small operation. I know it's not good, but I could see if you were running a 20-person company and it looked like it was coming from your company, you might click that. Yeah, we're getting them all
2: the time, and it's more than email now. Now you got to be ready for text messages and voicemail even. So, voicemail. We want, yeah, yeah, even voicemail. We we actually have it in our company where they try to get us. I mean, we're a cybersecurity <laughs> firm, but that, they would get a kick out of getting us. But we have people that are on our team that get uh, texts saying, "Please, uh, this is from me. So, uh-huh. Please go out and buy a bunch of gift cards." Yes, I've, right, I've right. i got yeah. an urgent need. I can't do it myself. Go out and buy a bunch of gift cards. If anyone asks you to buy a gift card, be worried. It's probably it's <laughs> a <not> scam. True. <laughs> yeah,
1: indeed. Yeah, that's... If
2: anything sounds too good to be true or super urgent, you have to build in an extra two or three second response to say, before I click this, this could be really important, but let me check it out first. Let's hover over the address. Let me look at a couple mm-hmm. other things. If it doesn't seem right, don't
1: do it. Yeah, one letter off, one of my ventures, and it went through several people, but it looked like the chief operating officer telling the CFO to give them some payroll mm-hmm. data. And it went through three or four people that look suspicious. One person knows, I'll take care of this right away before the weekend starts, and, and just hand it over a lot of information to a cyber thief.
2: Yeah, that's what they try to do. They know Friday afternoon, someone may be trying to get out or a holiday. Um, so anything that could be urgent that way. You have to be worried. If you're a finance or an HR person, you have to be particularly concerned about the email you're getting. Because the common one, if you're an HR person, is, uh, i am changed my bank, so my payroll deposit number is now this instead of this. So uh-huh. Be careful. Uh, finance person, any kind of wire uh, in particular, if you're transmitting money, I would get that verbally confirmed or
1: double-checked. So, so that's a that's a good take home value there. If you're sending a wire transfer, to make sure that your financial institution has to call and get a voice confirmation. Okay. Now I understand with the AI they can steal your voice and make it sound like you too. It, I, I don't know how, how sophisticated that is yet, but still, as a measure,
3: yeah, it's it's, it's, a, a good it's starting to get pretty good. Deep fakes are getting really well, really well done. But yeah, the point you just made about the institution calling you. Well, you might want to call them and you might want to make sure you look up their number and not just take the number from the email they send you mm-hmm. because they're actually putting, like you were saying, they have call centers. So they, they, there'd be a fraudulent number. They tell you to call to verify and you call that number. You're calling the bad guys help desk. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so there's several steps, you know, there's several steps you can take to really protect yourself. And it's like you said, it's just take a couple extra seconds, take a deep breath. Take these extra steps, and you, you for the most part, you're going to be protecting yourself and your company.
2: Yeah, there's two or three things, though, Rich, that we we would clearly put on everyone's list to do to check out. I mean, passwords. Uh, the, the classic there is never reuse a password. And we find it's probably uh, it's, most people are using the same password more than once in some contexts. Really bad idea. Because if the place where you use that password gets hacked or the, gets the bad guys get it, they know that password now. They know who you are. They're gonna try that password now on every
1: kind of account they can find out about you. Or just randomly, because it's well, all done digitally, right? they'll take that uh, yeah. sign-on password yeah. combination and just yeah. so, maybe get a hit. It costs them almost nothing. To yeah, get so it. never right. reuse a password. Come up with strong passwords.
2: Those alphanumeric things, longer is better. Mm-hmm. And again, this can be a burden
1: for people because you may have a lot of passwords. Get a password manager. How, now, one of the things I was going to ask you about, password managers, and how does somebody protect the access to the password manager, which has all your passwords?
3: Yeah, there, so there's a couple reasons why we recommend password manager. First of all, you can't remember them all, right? And when I do that talk, I, did a talk, I do a talk where when I say, you know, in front of hundreds of people, I'll say, uh, don't reuse your password. And when I say that, I can see people in the audience who are reusing their password. <laughs> They've turned pale or they mouth to the person next time I'm doing that or yeah. they start writing down feverishly. But password managers allow for you to have complex passwords, unique passwords for everything you're signed into. And they have it's encrypted. It's military grade encryption. There's several different layers they build into it. Uh, now, nothing is uh, I will never say nothing's breakable. But the password manager's done well, and there's a few of them that are really, really, really well done, um, are are really good safe way of keeping your passwords.
2: Just make sure you keep your password for your password manager. That's right. That's <laughs> what I was concerned about. Make sure that that's complex and don't lose that. <laughs>
1: right, because <laughs> <I> guess, <laughs> if I'm a cyber thief, I'm going to say, yeah. Mr. Bean, you need to reset your password, and I'm your password yeah. manager. Okay, and now I've got your yeah. password into everything.
3: Yeah, yeah that's, that's but in those situations right there, take a deep breath, take a few seconds. Your password manager is not going to call you and say you need to reset your password. Yes,
2: right.
1: It's never so going to happen.
2: So other things you should be doing um, in terms of turning on multi-factor
1: authentication
2: or two-factor
1: authentication. Good. So tell our audience what that is for people that aren't familiar with two-factor authentication. Yeah, it's
2: basically the common one is is where you turn it on and it says, we want to send you a text or an email to your number in addition to you putting in a password to verify it's you. Usually it's a text. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a code then that you have to enter within a certain time frame to get in it you should have that on whenever possible. Uh, two-factor authentication is a really good thing. So we really encourage people to do that whenever possible. Um, there So there are simple things. The other one is your software. Make sure automatic updates are turned on. And most people don't have them right. turned on. And even when they're turned on, don't always believe they've updated. So you'll find that in all your hardware and software, usually about, you know, there's a place for auto updates. Make sure that's enabled because if you don't, then you may have an older version that the, the company that sold you that software has identified where there's a security hole. The bad guys know that. And they've sent you a patch to repair it. Yep. And if you don't put that patch in place, you're vulnerable. So, see, there, are, Rich, there are a number of really simple things you can do to be safer. We we tell people, you, no one can tell you to be safe. If anyone tells you you're safe now, they're lying. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Because the National Security Agency is not safe. If they're not safe, we're not totally safe. But you can be much safer.
1: <laughs> so we've talked two-factor authentication. We've talked about the password managers. What about some of these things you see advertised like LifeLock? What category of service is that? And are those worth it?
3: Yeah, I actually, I'm a big believer in those. You know, LifeLock, Experian, all of those. Because again, they're they're organizations who... All about uh, securing your data, military grade encryption on those as well. Um, what they do is they help monitor for your credit cards, your, even your passport, um, your email addresses, your phone numbers, um, your bank account. They're monitoring everything for you. Um, and one of the things I, I really like about them is, is you, I actually use Experian and we have a whole bunch of people. My wife and my kids are on it as well with me. What I really like about it too is I can just shut my credit off. Right. remember back when I think it was Equifax or somebody got breached and they were charging us $10 or $7 to open your credit, then close your credit or whatever. Now, click the button and your credit's locked.
1: So if somebody's trying to steal your identity and use your identity to check credit, they run into a block. It's like, no, you can't use it. That's right.
3: And then then if they detect something, it's almost like a service we provide at Sensei because we're doing vulnerability scans and dark web scans for our clients. When we detect something, we alert them. And they do the same with those, yeah. with those services. So our company actually
2: does that for these organizations. So we do it for the organizations where these other companies tend to do it for individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're they're all good things to do. Uh, they're really important things to look at. Uh, one other one that I'd mention in particular is if you travel, if you are, and all of us travel, and we want to be online. So this is about getting a virtual private network. It's a mm-hmm. VPN, uh, and many many people don't have this. So if you go on an open network somewhere, the bad guys can often try to be getting into your system if you don't have a virtual private network. And the classics are airports. You shouldn't be on an airport open network unless you're on a VPN. It's a dangerous
1: thing. And, and they're
2: relatively inexpensive to get.
1: I, I use a product called Nord and oh, Nord, yeah. Nord VPN. I know there's others out there. And for our audience, if you get hacked, all the bad guy can see is the tunnel out to the VPN. Yep. They have no idea where you're right. going, and it's an encrypted route. So it's kind of a, a roadblock. So the virtual private network, not expensive. What about the vulnerability differences between going on that airport Wi-Fi and/or just accessing the internet off your cell service. Are you better protected on the cell service or not?
3: No, I would highly recommend still a virtual private network whenever you can, or tether to your own device too. Like, like I'd never jump on the Wi-Fi at the coffee shop or the no. airport or the hotel. I mean, you know and. And even though they may start this, you see, some are starting to say, now nah, we're secure, I I don't believe it. Mm-mm. You know, there's smarter guys, they're bad actors out there and I do something. So I always tether to my phone or my iPad or something like that. And then I jump on a VPN, yeah. which, a virtual private network. This guy's the acronym police. He doesn't let me use it.
1: well, those of us who have been in technology, we don't realize how often <laughs> we're throwing it out around an acronym <laughs> <laughs> until someone's like, Stop it. You know? Right. So we tell people. It's like, yeah, you think that.
2: Yeah, cyber people are from Mars or something. Right, that's a different
1: language. uh, Guilty as charged. So so on the VPN, I I do a lot of work on my phone or on my iPad, and I will just be onto the cell service, and I turn the Wi-Fi off. And my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's harder to intercept that cell signal. Yeah. Not impossible. And what's the vulnerability for places that block you from using your VPN? So Ticketmaster, by way of example, if you're behind the VPN, it thinks you're a hacker. And there's a lot of them out there. What's going on in that cyber battle? Well, again,
2: they're trying to protect themselves. So what I would say is, again, I would hopefully you don't have to buy those tickets at the airport. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're on a sales system. So, I mean, uh, this is where you're going to find these conflicts. You just have to <laughs> work through them. There are challenges there.
1: Okay. So we, we've talked about VPN. We've talked about Experian or Lifelock, and we've talked about two factor authentication. Some of the things, too, and Dave, I've had the pleasure of hearing you speak about this, and there's ruses and there's things that are obvious that someone gets an email. What's the right thing to do when you're looking at an email and it says, click here? Yeah. What do you do? When Respire. it's obvious, when
3: it's obvious fishing and it says, click here? Yeah. It, or, or it's not so obvious. What do you do? Yeah. How, how are people penetrating these networks? So, first of all, if you get an email that just is out of the norm, you know, it's you know, maybe some grammar's wrong, you some of the spelling errors, um, or it's acting asking you to act quickly on something that is not normal, mm. delete it. Just absolutely delete it, right? There's no reason for you to even interact with that. I have people sometimes who who will say, Well, I'm just gonna mess with them. <laughs> and I'm always like, don't do that. <laughs> so
1: just delete those. Um,
3: there's no, there's no. Hard- there's
1: not really a human behind it. No. You're not going to mess with it. It's an AI bot, right. right? That's, that's it. Right. If,
3: if, if you don't know.
1: Artificial intelligence. From. Sorry, Rick. I got the. the, the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw you go in there. And if you don't know who it's from, just
3: delete it. Just get rid of it and move on with your life. Yeah. So you find these all the time. So I got one yesterday.
2: Actually, my wife, Sue, got it at first. And she got it from an organization that said uh, we had an alarm go off. And, mm. and it didn't it said a telco alarm or def, telco fault and so she was concerned so she sends it to me and stuff like that and so i go check out the address and stuff like that and this one was, was easier than i thought because it was a legitimate address but it was for an organization in bulgaria <laughs> 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 and it was like i don't think we really have an alarm monitoring system in with the headquarters in bulgaria yeah right so i this is one just to delete. So, again, that's where you, you get them all the time. You just have to be extra thoughtful about checking them, and it can happen to anyone. Another group, though, I would mention that are like that, but they've gotten so sophisticated, DocuSign is a great one. Oh, yes, search. yeah. So they're now spoofing or making up fake DocuSigns on you. So if you think about it, and you just bought a house or you bought a beautiful condo or something, and the closing's in the paper, that's public information. So the bad guys may get that list to say, okay, you've closed on this condo. They know the address. Uh, and so they'll send you something to say, congratulations. It's so exciting you got this place. You just forgot to sign this one form.
1: So please complete the docu-sign. I actually got one of those at one time. I yeah. deleted it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. And, and it looks very real. Yeah, oh, yes. If I'm not expecting to sign a document, I don't touch it. That's right. Yeah, that That's somebody, right. if someone's going to have to tell me it's coming, and then I will deal with it that way. These guys are ingenious about getting in, and they can drain your bank account. They can steal your identity. They can take your sensitive personal information. You may mention that one of the places they go is the dark web, mm-hmm. and people hear the term the dark web, and it sounds scary, and it is. But our audience is more of a lay audience. Can you just explain what the dark web is and what's going on there
3: yeah so the dark web is the underground of the internet where bad actors uh trade and sell information uh personal information credit card information health records it's where they barter and sell that information it's where um you know the the dark web actually was originally developed for research but then you know the the bad actors really took it over,
1: and it's it's dark because I can't get
3: it
2: it's on my browser. Yeah, you, you
1: have to it. know how to get there,
2: and the people on there are anonymous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, they're using some identifier for them, but you don't know who they really are. Right. And so it's this under it is this literally a different world uh, that you need to worry about. So one other area, though, I would mention to you, Rich, that we encourage people to look at, especially organizations are. Um, what's your incident response plan? Uh, how do you respond if you have a problem? Because we've talked a lot about, it, and we, if you look at the best practices framework put out by the federal government that we emulate, we actually encourage people to do this in our practices. Is there's like prevention and detection? Okay, see the bad stuff, stop the bad stuff from coming in. You again, you can be safer. You can't guarantee something bad won't happen, but what happens if the bad thing happens? Mm-hmm. Do you have an incident response plan to say, this is how we respond? This is what we do. This is how we recover.
1: Uh, how do we deal with this? So it's recovery and response kind of. Are these a service that small and medium sized businesses can buy from you as a package?
2: Yeah, we package this part of our whole solution where we try to help with that whole framework. And one of those elements is this incident response plan it's a template. So you sort of fill in who are your emergency contacts? Where are your backups? Where are all these things ready to go? Because the analogy I give people, it's like, it's funny to watch people's reaction when you put it in terms they are used to understanding. It's like, do you have a fire evacuation plan for your business? And everyone goes, yeah, we got a plan on what we do if we have a fire. I said, okay, you're in Michigan. Are you ready for the tornado? Or if you happen to be down in Florida, do you have your hurricane? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. yeah I, and that's great. And I said, do you have a your incident response plan for cyber and they go huh <laughs> and it's like okay now let's talk about this what's more likely are you like more likely to have a fire to get hit by a tornado or to actually have a cyber incident and everyone goes well yeah the cyber ones the the ones that's really going to happen so you've got this backwards you've got plans for the things that are less likely and you're unprepared for the likely
1: and <laughs> you're a heating and cooling company, and you've got lots of trucks on the road. You're directing yeah. your technicians. You're ordering parts. You're having your customers sign invoices. It's all digital, and it goes dark because you just yeah. got hit by a cyber attack. That's right. But if you have good
2: backups, you know where they're at, you know how to restore, you know how to do all those things, You can, it
1: makes
3: yeah. a huge difference. Yeah, and I mean, that incident response is really critical. I talk When I talk to small, medium-sized organizations all the time, I talk to them about that because it'll take that bad day, And make it a bad day or days but not a bad week or weeks or months Mm -hmm. and so that's why that instant response plan is so critical because as you said you know everyone has a business continuity plan but they leave cyber out right and that cyber is the one thing that right now can stop your business
1: in an instant like you just said so two questions here about cyber insurance and the wisdom of that and then secondly but in not related but my understanding also is some of these bad actors will go and infiltrate a network and actually go and put bad code into the backup file so you can't get your backups back either
3: so for that first yeah some of the more sophisticated groups they will corrupt your backup right uh but there's tools now that and there's things you can do to, to kind of help me, me uh, remediate that but no I'll put it this way. If a bad actor really is coming after you and they're very sophisticated, it's going to be tough to stop them. Mm -hmm. But there are things you can do to remediate it and be back up quickly. And that's why we, that's why we work with small and medium sized organizations to make sure they understand these are really common sense solutions you can put in place to really help protect your company.
2: Yeah. And then insurance to go to your point. Yeah. Uh we recommend you get insurance. Uh cyber insurance. It's a good thing. I mean, it's another layer of protection to help you come back if you have issues. The issue with cyber uh insurance, though, you have to be really careful. It's not a simple field to get cyber insurance. In a lot of cases, ransomware may be a separate policy or a separate waiver. So even if you get cyber insurance, you may not be covered for ransomware. So that's a whole issue. The other part that we try to help our clients with is filling out the forms to get insurance uh again they're not in english uh generally i mean they're written in english but it's back to cyberese quite right and if you don't check the right boxes or if you check something that really isn't true, you know what happens. Right, right. You yeah, you're
1: underwriting. You premium, yeah, yeah, right, you know? yeah. You can still uh, take the premium but you're not getting the coverage. Yeah, right. exactly. And no. so right.
2: for the average small business person to even know how to fill out a form is very challenging. Mm-hmm. So that's where we recommend we help our clients, but we recommend people get help to make sure you know what you're checking and
1: it's accurate. So all these small and medium-sized businesses that are protecting the enterprise. And you're bringing forth some great services around that. I want to make sure, how do people get a hold of you guys? If they're listening to this broadcast or podcast, and they say, this is something I need to do, how do they get a hold of you?
2: Yeah, Sensei.com, S-E-N-S-C-Y.com. And we've got a lot of great resources, backup, that you can just go get to. But Sensei.com is the place to go. And one thing that we do offer, Rich, that we're very proud of is we offer the opportunity to get a Sensei score for free, no obligation. And as we started the business, we started doing Sensei scores to help our clients. That was sort of the cyber health Mm -hmm. evaluation. So it's a half hour long interview or less. It's 39 questions, collects like 100 and some data points. And Mm -hmm. most people can answer those questions. They may need a little help, but that's why we interview them to help make sure they understand. You go through that, we'll come back and give you a score like your credit score. It's on a thousand point scale. And basically, if you're 800 or better, you're in pretty good shape. That meant you understood cyber. You've done a lot of good practices. If you're five to 800, it usually means you've recognized I need to do something on cyber, but you still got work to do. So we can, if you want to become a client, we can still help you a bunch, but you're on the path. You're making progress. If you're below 500, the three choices I tell people are watch Star Wars, learn about the force, go to religious services, or hire somebody like us.
1: I thought you were going to say buy, buy some old Smith Coronas because you can't hack those things or, or something
3: like that. But yeah. You're below
1: 500. Yeah, but
3: you're, you're you're living on borrowed time.
2: Yeah,
1: and the
3: sense I scored, what we tell everybody is just assess where you're at. And, you, you know, and that's, what we do. again, it takes less than 30 minutes. And if you score 400, you equate that to your personal credit score of 400, you know you got to work on it, right so it becomes really tangible and it's an easy way to start looking at cyber in a really common sense a, a sensible way right
1: sensible cyber. sensible cyber yeah <laughs> uh, no, I like that so one of the things i'm I'm curious about is this that so all these small and medium-sized organizations. Are populated with employees that are individuals and they have customers that are individuals. And these individuals might be in the Apple ecosystem or in the Google, you know, they've got a Gmail and whatever. And aren't those points of attacks too on the personal level so that individuals ought to be thinking their own cybersecurity?
2: Absolutely. Again, that's going back to some of these services you can get as an individual. That's doing all the things we talked about, the passwords, the auto-on, all these things that we talked about are equally applicable whether you're an organization or you're a person. Um, and when you talk about organizations in particular, it's interesting that small organizations, what we're seeing are big companies now their greatest threat are going to be these small organizations because the bad guys is seeing they're spending all this on defense the big organizations it's going to be easier for them to go through and sneak up through the small companies if they're in their systems at all so this is only going to keep becoming more challenging if you're a small organization you you don't have a good place to hide i mean you can believe you can hide for a while but do something and we tell people a lot of this is changing a culture from passive to active regarding cybersecurity, we're honest about this. Cybersecurity is never going to be your number one priority until you get hacked. Yeah, but it needs to be a priority on your list of priorities. Uh, I told people I'm on my. I said my fifth career. I never thought I'd be excited to work in a company where my key goal is to help people sleep better at night. <laughs> I don't sell pillows or mattresses or bedding, but the goal is to help people sleep better at
1: night. Indeed.
2: Um, so a lot of this is to say how it's cultural. So too often people think this is all techy and all tech tools.
1: And to your point about the, something attached, when we had outsourcing contracts, yeah. nothing got on the network. Well, one of the dietary small department in a hospital went and bought a system and attached to the network as a rogue connection, had a worm in it. And I mean, we got it quick, yeah. but it was somebody attaching something for. Them. that's why I think about the individuals one of the questions is that they'll always, uh, like if you're using a Microsoft Exchange or Office 365 and you get something and it says you want to report this and say this is junk or you can say this is a phishing attempt. Does anything actually happen to that stuff when you report that out? Yeah, it does. <laughs> so if you're if, if you part of an organization
3: and you're doing like Microsoft 365 and you have the report phishing button and yeah. you click that, it will go to... Either your small IT team or your managed service writer, yeah, um, they actually look at it. They they quarantine it for a minute. They'll check it out. But um, it's a really good point though, because if <laughs> if you have a report button and that doesn't look good, hit re- hit that report button.
1: So I always do the report button, and I, I will say that Rackspace, when we were using them, they were really good about following up. I'd send them something, and they go, "Thanks, that's a new one we haven't seen."
3: Yeah, and they're looking uh, at it. They're yeah. taking a peek at
1: it. Yeah, they're a good company. John. we've covered a lot today. What didn't we cover that would be important for the listeners, and the readers, and the viewers of the Common Bridge? Well, I would just say this. Again,
3: cyber's never going away. But there are certain things you can do, not only to protect your your company, your organization, but if you do those same kind of practices at home, you're protecting your family, too. And it's one of these things that's never going away. And so that's why we're really excited about starting Sensei, because... We want to educate. Part of our mission is to educate the world in cyber. So just take a couple extra seconds, take a deep breath, slow down,
1: and make sure you know what you're doing. Sounds great. Now imagine that you were called today by a small group. Let's say the president of the United States, the head of Department of Homeland Security, and let's throw in the Treasury Secretary, <laughs> measure. And they said, gentlemen, what national or state level policies do we need about cybersecurity? What would you tell them? Yeah, one of the first things to do is to say
2: broaden the discussion again. As just as we said, it's a human issue. Ninety, eighty to ninety percent of the breaches are due to humans being involved in, and it's having an active versus passive culture. Nationally, we treat it as a passive culture. They are there are some really brilliant people that are doing cyber stuff at the national level. But if you look at the dialogue, it's all about them talking to other cyber people. Mm. Not much is really, it's its about talking to agency to agency or about talking to government or talking about to their big suppliers. Um, there should be an educational awareness thing for the average citizen, just going through the list and making it much more visible. They do, we do have Cybersecurity Awareness Month. It was October. How much do you remember seeing during Cybersecurity Awareness Month? Not much. Mm. <laughs> so... This is the thing. We need to get word out to people. And again, make it an active versus passive thing. And so the biggest recommendation I'd have is stop treating it like a technical thing or to techies, stop keeping it just in the world of people that live in this world and help the general public understand they can be safer. It's, this is scary stuff. Let's make it so you're concerned, but don't be scared. By taking certain actions, you can live a good life.
1: It's common sense things like locking your car, that type of thing. And I think you saw in Oakland County, Michigan, that the sheriff said that there's be sophisticated rings that are attacking for home invasion. They're doing the Willie Sutton thing. That's where the money is. And cyber is the same thing. And it's not just your money. It's your personal data. There's a market for that out there. So Sensei.com, great place to start. And gentlemen, as we wrap up today, any final comments for the listeners or readers and the viewers of Common Bridge?
2: Thanks for having us on. This yeah. Is, yeah. is great. great. This, this is, is an important topic to get out front, people. So we're excited to share, and we're excited. To let us know if you want us to come back with other scary stories. Hopefully, uh, I mean, <laughs> <things, all we laughs> solutions of the right. I don't, I don't I don't right. yeah.
1: subject of the story. <laughs> we, could,
3: we could talk for hours. But yeah, <laughs> Rich, thank you
1: very much. For all right, gentlemen, thanks very much. We've been talking today with Dave Bean and Rick Snyder of Sensei about cybersecurity. It's a big problem today. It's going to get bigger. But you can protect yourself. You can protect your organization. Let's just make it tougher on the bad guys. And with that, this is your host, Rich Helpe, signing off on The Common
0: Bridge. Thanks for joining us on The Common Bridge. Subscribe to The Common Bridge on substack.com or use their Substack app where you can find more interviews, columns, videos, and nonpartisan discussions of the day. Just search for The Common Bridge. You can also find The Common Bridge on Mission Control Radio or your Radio Garden app.